Welcome to Equip This Church, Denise. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live at our city campus. For more information, check out equipthischurch.com. Okay, good. How are we all doing? We good? Yeah, it's been fun today. Thank you for having me. I, uh, it's been fun to be down here. It was a bit of a late night last night. Uh, my, my wife, Fiona, I'll, I'll explain who I am. My name's Jake, and as <laughs> Pastor Will said, uh, I've, uh, I've had the privilege of passing a Christmas church in Monaco City. So, it is Māori Language Week. So, uh, tonight, this morning, I missed, uh, I missed muscle fritters and fry bread at home. I'm sure you did something similar this morning. So, um, but uh, it's so cool and fun to be with you and being with Pastor Jake and Justine this morning as well. And I never, I never, um, I always consider this a real privilege to share the Word of God. I never take it lightly. I've always prayed and made sure that, uh, you know, I'm doing everything I can, because I really believe God, when God speaks to us, it's powerful, eh? And it's something that the world can never take away, and we need to hear the voice of God more in every situation. But um, I am, I I have three boys, and I've got some photos of my children. Uh, So these are my three boys here, and uh, and three Udis. And so Zane's in the middle, he's almost 50. I don't know when this photo was... Maybe it's an older photo. There's a slightly bigger version of that now, but I thought I liked this photo. Zane's in the middle, Seth's on the left, and Abe's on the right. Abelicious, we call them. And they're an absolute delight. And I'm married to the amazing Fiona. Uh, there's a couple of shots of her in Tonga. This is, she's in Tonga. Oh, look at this. It's, it was taken this last week at the beach. <laughs> so... <laughs> and uh, I just like that photo. That's, uh, that's us probably in our mid-20s, I think, happily married. Uh, before we knew a lot about life, and uh, look at us there, happy, fun, free, no kids, that's what we're like, and uh, these are some photos of Fiona, this is her in Tonga, she's in Tonga at the moment, like I said, uh, she's pretty amazing, uh, it's her in the middle, and with her friend Dr. Sini Taufa on the right, and uh, this is the director of health in Tonga, and uh, she's over there helping with um, establishing legislation for child protection in Tonga, which is pretty amazing. So we've got a Child Protection Act that uh, I know Pastor Jason's been involved in here as well, but she wrote uh, uh, an article with a whole bunch of um, uh, Tongan pediatricians and stuff as well. And uh, she's meeting with the Director General uh, of, of, of Health and she's meeting with the Attorney General and amazing what she's doing. And there's another photo here of her. This is the committee that she's a part of. And uh, so these five are establishing this Child Protection Access, some incredible people and lawyers and amazing. She's just amazing, and I like to brag on my wife. I think she's incredible. We've been married for 21 years, and uh, we were going around with each other for seven years prior to that. So 28 years of uh, hanging around, and uh, she hasn't got sick of me yet, and I'm really uh, thankful for that. But uh, that's us. So now we know, now we're caught up. But I want to talk tonight. I know we're in a series called What Works. Everyone say, What Works? Thank you. Uh, well, I want to say tonight, surrender works. So we're talking about, so you mentioned surrender tonight, Pastor Hannah, and I think surrender works. And what I want to do is I want to kind of set a bit of a platform for the final piece that I want to talk about, which is the ending. And so I don't want to be here long tonight because I really believe God wants to move in people's lives. Is that cool? Because I'm conscious that I can say some stuff and I'm conscious that I can talk too much about stuff. And, and, but I just want to set up a bit of context and then I want us to really pray, because with surrender, we, you might have a different view of surrender. It's a funny word. Sometimes the English language doesn't have a way of conveying something that you kind of know is there, but you don't have the word for it. 
When we talk about joy, we can say, is joy happiness? Well, it's not quite happiness. And it's this sort of feeling. It's this thing that I can't, I know it when I have it. But when I don't, I know it when I don't. And often the English language is hard to convey some of the words that we have. But we know, and especially in the kingdom, when we're talking about things of a spiritual nature, which we always are, it's hard to convey these words. But I want to talk about surrender tonight. And, and I want to explain uh, from... A, a, a story that we kind of read in, in Genesis, I, I won't have time to go through it all, but I'm going to sort of praise it for you. I know the guys have got it there. But the, the, the story is one of Abraham. So Abraham is this father of faith. And, and Abraham is someone that was told, if you, if you don't know your Bible well, or if you're new to Christianity, welcome, great to have you here. Or if you're figuring it out, great to have you here as well. And Abraham is this great father of faith that was asked to move from his land. So move from where you were. And the only instruction that God gives him is, I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you. So that's like saying to someone, I live in South Auckland. And that's like saying to someone, okay, Jake, I want you to move. Okay, where? Oh, just pack your bags. And, and I'm like, do you want me to jump on a plane? It's like, start walking. So I get your bags and you're sort of walking and where are we going? And I'll, I'll show you. And then you're walking and, and, and as you're walking, God's kind of revealing the next part of it. But that would be hard for a lot of people, wouldn't it? Like, well, where am I going? What's the destination, God? And God's like, so often our life is like this journey of like, I'm just walking. And then he shows me the next step and I go, okay. And I never thought I'd be here. And often I can look back and see how far God has taken me. But sometimes when you get older, there's a cool part of that. Because you realize, man, God's taken me through all this stuff. And it's like this with Abraham. And he says, I'm going to show you a land um, that's going to be yours. And then he has this moment in, in, in Genesis 22 where God calls him in this incredible moment of surrender. And he says, I want, you to, I want you to sacrifice your firstborn son, Isaac. Now, the journey to get there was crazy. Abraham's ancient by this point. And, I, and Isaac represented the inheritance. It represented everything about the promise of God. God gives them this promise. And then it's like God saying, I've given you this thing, and now I'm going to take it away. And in the midst of all that, Abraham's like, well, God, I've trusted you thus far, so I'm going to continue to trust you. Right? It's just a weird thing to do to sacrifice. Like what? There was a God, Molech, that they used to sacrifice to. And it was detestable, often it says in the Bible. And yet God's giving Abraham this sort of similar thing to go, I need you to do this. And so he's taking Abraham and a couple of servants and they're walking up this mountain. And, and the whole time Isaac's probably going like, there's a ram somewhere around that we're going to sacrifice, I'm sure. And, and Abraham's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. It's going to turn up. We're going to trust God. And the whole time, he's not sure how it's going to work out. And we get to this point where he's about to sacrifice his son, and then God says, wait. And then he sees a ram in a thicket, and they sacrifice the ram, and that was a better sacrifice. And that's kind of the essence of the story. So we've kind of jumped ahead. And so there's this moment kind of, of, of surrender where Abraham has to surrender like everything that he has in this moment. I don't know if someone has asked you to surrender everything that you've got. But try and imagine this promise from God, your family comes to know Jesus, and all of a sudden, he takes it away. Try to put yourself in the place of, of, of Abraham, where you're kind of thinking, what's going on? So he says this. He says, I want you to surrender. There's four things that he asks him to surrender. He says, I want you to surrender your family. So God's kind of making the point that with surrender, he wants you to be, he wants God to be ahead of your family. So for me, I don't know how many of you from unsafe families, that's me. For 20-something years, I've been praying for my family. And for 20-something years, it feels like they're further away from God than when I first started praying. I don't know whether I'm praying wrong, whether I'm not lining up my hands right or whatever, but it feels like, God, 
And my dad, when I asked him about Father's Day uh, a few years ago, and I said, Dad, would you come to our Father's Day service? And he actually says to me, oh, I just, he goes, I just don't want to go. You know, and I'm just like, wow, okay, he's keeping it real with me. But um, I've had some incredible moments with my family as well. But, but he, he gets to sacrifice Isaac, his family, right? He wants to be the Lord of all of our relationships. He asks him to surrender his, what, what would be his financial security and inheritance. So again, his son Abraham was wealthy. Isaac would have inherited everything. So again, God's making the point, come on, I want you to surrender kind of everything to me. He surrenders his social acceptance. It would be hard to figure out Abraham's life, right, off the back of sacrificing his son. Like, I don't know how you have that conversation with your peers. Hey, you went up the mountain with your son. Where is he? It's a long story. God asked, you know, how do you talk about that? When child sacrifice was such a detestable thing, how do you come down and you're still this person in society where we, we all know what you did, and it's messed up. And so he has to surrender all of this stuff. He'd forever be known as the man who killed his son. Like, you want to wear that? That's heavy. And then he surrenders his, his future or his destiny. Again, Isaac meant everything. We, we, you can't quite explain how significant the firstborn son was in Jewish culture. Like, the firstborn son was everything. They would inherit everything. They would carry on your legacy, and this is what Isaac was. And so we kind of have these incredible moments where God asks us to surrender stuff. But I don't know about you, but it's, it's quite hard to do. Anybody find that? Is it just me? It's hard. It's hard to surrender stuff. Why? Because I want stuff. I want some stuff to be mine. And some stuff I'm happy to give to God. But there's things that I just want. This is just my things, God. It's really hard. And so... Here's what I want to give to God, though. I'm like, God, I'm happy to give you a few extra pounds. I'll give those to you. I'll surrender some of my midriff, right, to you. Anybody want to do that? Yeah, okay. A few hands now. Our surrender seems easy now. Yeah, I'll surrender those things. I want to surrender the moments when I'm really impatient with my sons and I get upset and angry. I want to surrender all the times when they don't do the things that they're supposed to do and I ask them 50 times over and still they don't do it. And I go, oh, my gosh, what's wrong with you children? I want to surrender moments like that when I just lost it. That's it. When I throw my son through a, I don't, just joke, jokes. <laughs> There's an upset dad over there. <laughs> you see, there's things that I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to surrender God to God. But God says in this picture, see, Isaac represented everything. Isaac represented everything. And so he's making the point, you can't represent, you can't surrender half of the promise. You've got to surrender everything to me. And so then I'm asking myself, well, then how do we know we're fully surrendered? Like, what is fully surrendered to God like? I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. There's things that I kind of still want for myself. And God says, no, I want that part too. Here's, here's the thing. We read verses like this. James 4, 7, right? Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. I want to just, does James know how hard it is to do that? It's like, oh my gosh, it's so simple now. Right? Oh, I didn't read that before. All I've got to do is submit to God. Oh, thank you. Thank you, well-meaning Christian. So helpful. Oh, just resist the devil. Hey, devil, not today. No, out, out, out. 
Close the door, done. No sin. It's that simple. But it's not, right? Resist the devil. It's more like, <laughs> it's a battle to the death. Submit to God. Oh, like that. Just click your fingers, man. It's going to happen. So James 4, 6, the verse before this says this. He gives grace, though, generously. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we kind of go, oh, it's, it's, it's really simple to say, but actually God gives us this incredible grace to be able to go, but you actually can do it because of my grace is sufficient. So, so you've got everything you need in me to be able to resist. Like when Jesus went to the cross, he broke the power of sin, which means that we don't have to do the things that we used to do. Anybody started to change as they became a Christian? A few honest people, you can lift your hand if just so I know that you've, anybody not changed at all. Anybody not changed at all? I'm kidding. Don't put your hand up. So, what happens is when we, when we get saved, we, again, that power of sin is broken. So, we can often get frustrated because even with things like surrender, we go, Well, I don't ever feel like I'm fully surrendered. But I look back and I go, But man, I'm, I'm not where I used to be. But I'm also not where I want to be. So, 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 God takes us down this process so we can overcome because of the grace. That's why it says whenever you see a therefore, if you haven't done college, if you see a therefore in the Bible, it's a conjunction, which means it links this verse to the one before it. You can't just read a therefore and not think about the verse before it. So that's why the grace thing is really important when you submit to God and resist the devil. When an, when an army encircles you, you have to surrender. Like, well, there's no way out. You know, when you're playing Call of Duty and you're the last one of your squad left, right? There's no way out. I'm going to, my boys play these games, not so much that one, another one, Valorant maybe. And sometimes I watch them and I'm like, hey, what's happening here? And I'm shooting things and there's like five of them and then there's four and then three and then they're like, oh, no, I'm the last one left. And then I see the boys that kind of give up where they go, well, I'm going to die anyway because there's four against one. And I'm always like, no, we can fight our way out. Can we hide? Can we snipe from somewhere? Why is there a storm coming in and why do we die when there's a storm? Like it's just rain. It's stupid. It's easy to surrender in those moments because you feel like that's it. But it's like, what if we said to God, okay, God, so God, <laughs> you sent your son Jesus to die for me. You rose again for me. You've given me everything. You've given me this grace. I'm able to resist the devil. And then we say to God, fine, I'll surrender. It's like saying to your wife, fine, I love you. Okay, I said it. Fine, you know. Fine, I'll do the house. Fine, only because you tell me to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't like vacuuming the floors. In fact, I clean the whole house on Saturday night and feet didn't even fly in. And now I'm like, it's a wasted clean. Every guy knows that, so I've wasted a whole clean. It's going to get dirty in two more days and she'll come back and she'll go, why didn't you clean the house? I'm like, I did two days ago when you were supposed to arrive. Anyway. Anyway. So most of us, I think most of us in this place, we have a good heart. Like we want to do the right thing. I really believe that. I really believe we want to surrender. We know God's good. We know what he's done for us. We know that we're different. Whether we feel it or not, we know the power of God because we've seen God move. But, but we sometimes battle with, well, what does this authentic kind of surrender look like? Let me read a couple of verses. First Corinthians says this. If I gave, this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, right? The apostle Paul, the super apostle. And he says, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, then I would have gained nothing. So, so Paul, this amazing super apostle, 
is still saying, if, I haven't, if I've done everything and even given up my whole life and yet not surrendered to love, then it's like I've done nothing. And I go, that's such a high bar though, Paul. It's such a high bar to think, gosh, you've done it. Paul did everything. And yet he's still saying, but it wouldn't account for anything if I didn't surrender to love, if I didn't surrender to love people. If Paul can't be surrendered to love at the point of death, then what hope is there for us? How do we figure this thing out? Okay, here's the, here's the key change moment. Positive G chord. <laughs> because here's the thing about God that I figured. So God loves us. He loves us in the process of wrestling with these things. If we haven't, if we haven't asked the question, then we've got to figure out a way to get to that place where we're asking the question. If we haven't, you know, God says, sorry, my nose is doing something. God says, you know, blessed, no, it's okay, it's okay, don't move, Will. God says, blessed are those, just, just be in a posture of prayer for me. God says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So, so it's in the process of us wrestling with these things, we're filled. It's not that I am, or have become righteous, because I can't earn righteousness by myself. But in the process of me trying to figure this stuff out, he says, that's when I fill you. Do you get it? Is it a bit quiet? Is it a bit too deep for a night? In the process of us trying to figure this stuff out, we're filled. In the process of us trying to figure out, man, God, am I fully surrendered? God's like, great answer. Great question, sorry. Great question. Question wasn't an answer. Because he kind of goes, yes and no. He goes, not, no, not fully. But yes, you've also surrendered a whole bunch of things. That's, again, this, this process of, of becoming like Jesus. Is not, I'm, not, I'm never going to arrive at it, but I continue to take a step forward. And I continue to take a step forward. And as I continue to take steps forward, I start wrestling with these big questions of life. That in my 20s, I never, no one ever asked me these things. And how cool is it that some of you in your teens and your 20s now, and you're like, someone's talking about some of these things. Man, what does it mean to surrender to God? What does it mean to give my life to Him? These are great things for us to ask. And it's in this process I believe He blesses us. So, Philippians 2.5. I want to give you some scriptures because I think they're really good. And then I want to finish with this kind of closing moment. So Philippians 2.5 says this, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. It says, though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gives up his divine privileges. He takes the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself to the obedience, uh, in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevates him to this highest, place of highest honor, and he gives them the name above all names. You see, it, it's in the process of us laying our life down that, in the process of God, Jesus laying his life down, he's then honored, right, above every other name. And I think Jesus often tries to make the point, when you lay down your life and when you surrender your life fully to me, he says, God honors that. In the process of us figuring out, God, I don't just want to give you my dumb stuff. I want to give you my every stuff, all of it. In the process of doing that, in the process of, I think, even wrestling with that stuff, God's like, yes, I can work with that. I can work with that because I know that you haven't arrived and I know that you're never going to arrive. But the very fact that we're asking the question is a really healthy thing to do. So now let's talk about you. So maybe now. I'm sorry, I was was whispering, to be fair. I was whispering. So I want to finish with these kind of three... um, 
There's three kind of little prophetic pictures for you that, that I think are going to help. Because this whole thing, I know it feels like we're kind of dancing around everything. But I wanted to give you a picture of what surrender looks like. Maybe what it doesn't look like. And I want to know, to help you to know that it's actually quite a hard thing to do. It's hard to know that we're fully surrendered. I don't think we can all say, well, God, here I am, send me. Well, usually here I am, send him, send her, or send somebody else. Or I don't want to go. Here I am. Here I'm not. I'm Homer Simpson back into the bushes. Better make a good Christian meme. Here I'm not. So, I've said it a few times. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go there. I've done enough. I feel like I've sacrificed a bit too much, in fact. And, but here's, 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 the, here's the bigger thing with this. Here's what, here's, there's two things that God's not asking us to do, right? And I, and I want to show you this picture. This is the crucifixion, right? No, sorry. This <laughs> Cal, stay with me. We talked about this before. <laughs> so, thank you. So, it's supposed to be quite a serious moment, so I need you to stay with me. So, Galatians 2, 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, right? So he says, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So again, I've known God a long time, and I, and I know these verses. I've been crucified with Christ. And... The scripture's trying to make the point that we, the Bible tells us that we, 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 we died with Jesus, but we've also been resurrected with Him, which gives us such hope to know that actually every single situation you're going through, think about your darkest place at the moment. You see, we can come into church and we have, this, we have our church faces and our church attire and we have a whole bunch of fun and what the guys were doing was real fun. And we have all that, but we have the other, our other lives. You know the lives we go home and no one sees us and we lie in bed at night and we agonize over things. We lie in bed at night and we think about things that we maybe shouldn't be thinking about and then we go, (gasps) and then we watch things and we listen to things and we do things that aren't edifying and we kind of go, man, I was just in church and why is this stuff still happening and why do I feel like I'm going around in circles? And we say things like, I've been... I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but He who lives in me. And what what God's not asking us to do is He's not asking us to put ourselves on the cross. You've not literally been crucified with Him. You're not standing there on the cross, but yet so many of us want to put ourselves on the cross because that's the way that we feel we've got to surrender like this. And God's like, no, I did that. I sent my son Jesus to do that for you. You don't have to do that anymore. And we beat ourselves up over stuff. And God says, no, I I beat up my son Jesus so that you wouldn't have to go through all those things. And we say things to ourselves. I say things to myself that that I would never say to anybody else. Sometimes the language I use with myself, I can make some really dumb mistakes, like real basic ones. I'm the guy that's gone to a bank to try to withdraw money and realize I don't even bank here and I filled out the whole form. I'm that guy, man. Yeah, laugh it up. That's fine. I'm okay with it. Like I do some real stupid things and I go, or I'll try and navigate my way through a place and I'll get stuck in traffic and then feel, look at me, I'm like, I'm like an hour in traffic now because I tried this shortcut. And, and then I'll say, oh, joke, you're such an idiot. 
but I would never call anybody an idiot. And there's, there's words that I say of myself to this day that I go, what's wrong with me that I say these things? And it's like we're putting ourselves on the cross and Jesus says, no, I surrendered my life for you so that you wouldn't have to go through those things. So that you would live a life where you don't have to beat yourself up over stuff. Think about your last mistake because that's what we're thinking about now. And Jesus says, yeah, I died for that too. He says, I knew you couldn't make it. So I died for that too. And this process of life, this process of surrender is that, what does Jesus say when he says to forgive? Do I forgive one time? In fact, Peter goes to the point where he goes, do I, do I forgive seven times? Again, in Jewish law, you only had to do three. So even Peter says, well, I'll do seven. That's a pretty good effort. And what does God say to him? No, 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 70 times seven. Like 490, but make it a lifestyle of forgiveness. And he's saying the same with surrender. No, make it a lifestyle of continuing to surrender to me. And he says, and what you'll find is that you won't end up putting yourself on the cross. The more you surrender to Jesus, the more you realize that you don't have to do this to yourself. But for so many of us, we still like, no, but that's the only way that maybe the pain will be relieved and you realize God just takes you back in the same place and you walk around. Remember this feeling of, and you're like, oh God, why am I still here? And he's like, because you're still putting yourself on the cross until you figure out that I did it for you. There's such a freedom in knowing that you don't have to put yourself on the cross. He died for you. Romans 6, 4 to 5 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in this newness of life. That's the thing about the gospel, like it's real. It's real. This isn't a fairy tale. It's real, and there's this newness of life that we can all have, that we can all take hold of. And God, man, my, my, my old days are past. There's this new life. Behold, all things have become new. For we have, been uni- uh, we have been united together in the likeness of His death. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. If you think that there's a situation that God can't deal with, it deals with it right there. That situation can be resurrected. That life that you have can be resurrected. It can change. And the more you surrender, the more you realize, I don't have to do that to myself. There's such a freedom I can walk in. Second thing is this. God's not asking us to respond like this with our hands up in the air. Let me show you this image here. No, there's no image with the hands up one. Oh, no, not that one. That's right. There's, there's an image of, I saw, of a, um, a little girl called Hudiyat. And it was taken in 2015, and she's got this little face. And what she's doing is she's about this high, and she's a Syrian refugee girl. And she's got her hands, like, high above her head. And you can just see she's kind of got this kind of tense face, and she's just slowly biting her lip like this because she's kind of nervous. And what had happened was she's four years old. She loses her dad in the bombing of Hamar, the village that she's a part of. She takes refuge in a Turkish refugee camp with her mother and her two siblings. And what happens is the, the photographer comes in with a photographer's telephoto lens. And she thinks, of course, it's a weapon. She thinks he's pointing a gun at her. And so she slowly raises her hands and bites her lip because she thinks, oh, this is, this is me. This is a four-year-old girl. And she stands still without a word. And the photographer's saying it's really hard to console someone who thinks that the camera's actually a weapon pointed at her. And see, 
we don't want to surrender like this, but also we don't want to surrender like this with our hands in the air by thinking that something is it isn't. See, what she sees is a weapon, but it's just the lens of a camera. And so often the challenge for us is, man, we can surrender to the lies of the enemy rather than surrendering to Jesus who died on the cross for us. We can surrender to these lies about ourselves, about what the world says about who we are. Surrendering to lies might look at our socials and kind of go, man, I'm not as whatever as everybody else that's putting all their stuff out there. Surrendering to these, surrendering to likes and reach and all this sort of stuff. Surrendering to the way that we look. And Ecclesiastes, the writer to Ecclesiastes says all these things are like vapor. It's like smoke, hevel, hevel. Everything is hevel. It's like chasing the wind. And if we go after those things and we're trying to surrender to the things of this world, it's just like grasping air. And we wonder why again God brings us around to that same point. And so He doesn't want us to surrender like this, hands up. He's not putting a weapon. He's not making us do anything. None of us have to come to church tonight, right? We don't have to be here, but the cool thing is you're here because you go, yeah, this, I want something more. Like I want something. I want to feel something about God. I want to know that in my situation that He's there for me. And then there's a third way to surrender. Romans 5.8 is a great verse. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So this is a verse I use a lot for our older calls because it says, whilst we were still in sin, you know, Christ died for us. Before we even knew Him, we died for us. And, and, and the only way I think for us to really surrender is kind of in this posture. Again, it's, it feels like such a cheesy thing to do. I'm like, oh, Christians on our knees with our hands on our bed. Like, I don't think I've ever prayed like that in my life, Right? You see it in cartoons and Christian movies, and I'm like, am I any different to anybody? I'd just be like this, do you got to... <clears throat> but there's this, there's this thing about getting on our knees. I'm not saying, please don't say this. I've done it in worship. There's times I feel God say, I need you to get on your knees now. And there's a moment about being on your knees where it's just this, this is the surrender that I think God has for us. It's not putting ourselves on a cross and going through that pain. It's not hands up because... That's the only option that we've got. But it's this kind of surrender. It's saying, God, I've, I've, I'm at my knees because I realize that finally I get to the point where I'm at the end of myself. I don't know if I shared the story, but when I went down to Napier the first year, church was in a pretty average situation, man. Like it was tough going. And we'd come up to Auckland for the holidays and we're house-sitting a friend's house and they had a pool and the family was out there having fun. And they were swimming, and I remember it was the day before kind of wage was due to go out in church and some bills were due to be paid, and I'm sitting there inside, and I can hear the laughter of my kids and my wife, and we had some people around, and they were all having fun, and they were like, Jay, come outside. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to be a minute. And I'm standing there, and I'm looking at our bank balance, knowing that we need $2,000 for tomorrow to just settle things up, and we hadn't had it. And I'm like, and I had this moment, I'm standing there in the kitchen, and, and I'm literally walking in the kitchen. I'm like, I want to go outside and have fun, but I don't feel like having fun because I've now got this sick feeling in my stomach. Because I don't know how, I don't, and I'm starting to question, man, am I the right person to go? I've been there a year. I'm like, man, the church hasn't, hadn't grown a lot. The finances have started to come up, but I still realize, man, we still can't pay the bills. And I had this moment where it's like this movie moment. And I just felt like, God, I got nothing else to do. I don't know what else to do. And I'm in the, the kitchen saying, God, I don't know what else to do. What am I supposed to do here? 
And I just said this, this thing, I just was like, God, I'm on my knees. You know, I don't even know if I'm talking to myself. God, hello. Like, I'm, you know, saying this thing, do you even care? And I kind of get that, I kind of collapse on my haunches and then just feel this incredible moment of peace. And like God says, cool, finally, Jake. Finally, we've arrived at the point where you're going to give things over to me. And some, maybe it takes a situation like that in your world. I hate to think that we get to a moment where we something tragically happens for us to move to God. So often it does, but does it have to go that way? Do we have to lose a loved one to then go, I've got to come back to Jesus? It often does because in our moments of weakness where we feel like, man, there's nothing else I have left worth living for. And all of a sudden God says, I just want you on your knees before me. And we come on our knees and we go, okay, God, like I surrender because I've got nothing else to give. And God says, yes. He goes, I can use that. Like there's such a strength here. I don't preach great oratory. I don't use the right words all the time. But I don't agonize over what I've said anymore. I get home tonight and I'll sleep. I won't think a word about, did I do the right thing? Did I say the right stuff? Did I have the right amount of irreverent humor? Like I don't agonize over those things anymore. Did I leave a massive hole for Pastor Will to fill? Probably. That's on him, not me. I don't think about those things anymore. I don't worry about that stuff. And do you know what? As I do that, people go, man, Jake, I really love what you had to say. This morning in Moscow, people are like, man, Jake was really authentic. It's like, that's because that's who I am. I've learned to just go, well, God, I've got no discernible skills. Like, I don't have anything I can offer you, God. And God says, cool. Finally, at the end of yourself is the beginning of God. And he says, and that's what I can work with. And that's what I can use. And so the band can come up. And so I want you to stand. I want you to stand to your, <laughs> I want you to get on your knees. No, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet. Maybe you can. So I want to finish with this, just with this thought. Um, I don't know if we know the song, Hannah. Let me just come over here. It's just, this is, these are the words. Okay, I'll have to go sing it myself. It's all right, we'll do this. We're gonna, okay, stay with me. No, I'm kidding. There's, there's the, the words of this Hillsong um, song. Here I am down on my knees again, surrendering all, surrendering all. I f- and find me here, Lord, as you draw me near. Desperate for you, desperate for you. And what I want us to do, I want us to show up. Can we show the, um, Kale, just the, the towel image now? Here's, here's this picture that I want to give you. You know, the towel, and throwing the towel, that one. So, so as I was kind of preparing this, I felt God say at the end, I want you to, this is a, a picture in boxing. So if you don't know boxing, um, if, if the, trainer's, the trainer's hardest decision is to choose to throw in the towel for their fighter. They've prepared their fighter for this moment. And the hardest thing for any boxing trainer is to go, is to end it. Because once they know they're throwing the towel, the fight's over. So throwing in the towel signified the fight's done. Our boxer has taken too much of a beating and it's now not safe for them. And so they're throwing the towel and they basically say, we're choosing to give up. And it's kind of a sort of tragic moment for a trainer to realize, I don't want my fighter to be hurt beyond the point of recognition. So I need to protect them now, right? And here's what I want us to do. And, and the band's going to sing in a moment. But I want you to just imagine this image. Because say this is Jesus who's in our corner, because he is. And he's our trainer. And again, he sees us because I reckon we still agonize over this stuff. We feel like we're getting a beating sometimes. I can tell you the last two months, 
the stuff that's happened, the people I've disappointed, the feedback that I've got from some people, like it's like people I know real well. And sometimes you're just like, and you want to say, man, if people knew what I was going through, do they not know how much I work hard at this stuff? Do they know how much I pray for them? Nobody ever sees anything that I do. You ever say that to God? God, if you only knew, if people knew. And then I say to them, man, I'm really sorry if I've done, I didn't mean to come across like that or I didn't mean to say, I didn't mean to. Because I know, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, right? That's, these are the fruits of the Spirit. But you feel like you're kind of slugging away and maybe you're throwing punches and you're kind of like, oh, the enemy, and you just feel like he's getting a beating. And It's like Jesus says, until you, he throws in the towel, and he says, when I throw in the towel, it's like Jesus says, and the fight's over, but now I take over. Do you get the point? No, I want to take over. Because for too many people, I think we feel like we're just sort of swinging away in life and trying to get by. Thank you for listening to this message recorded live at Equipus Church, Dunedin. We pray that it blessed you. For more information, please check out equipuschurch.com.